Physician assistants have become a critical component of healthcare in the United States today. Have you ever wondered how this profession began? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and joining me today is Vic Germino, a physician assistant and one of the first three graduates from the original physician assistant program started at Duke University. Today, we are discussing the history of the PA profession. Vic, welcome to ReachMD. Yes, thanks for asking me. Vic, in the mid-1960s, Duke University physician Eugene Stead, Jr. selected four former U.S. Navy corpsmen to become the first PA students. Navy veterans yourself, Vic Germino, the late Richard Shealy, and Ken Farrell and Don Guffey. Three of you graduated from Duke on October 6, 1967. How did this program start, and how did you get on that short list of applicants? Well, at Duke, they begin to uh, notice the returning corpsmen, that the training that these guys had, and they were putting them in different jobs at the hospital. Like there were uh, several ex-Air Force medics that were working in the cardiac cath lab and in the hyperbaric chamber and in places like that, and it was noticed that we had all this background in the training And it was just a matter of putting together something that we could all formulate into a program that would benefit everybody. And Dr. Steads had the vision to see this. He was the chief of medicine at Duke at the time. I was, uh, had just gotten out off of active duty in the the Navy. I was attached to the Marine Corps also in uh, the uh, recon Marines and active duty with independent duty and all that. And I had a lot of experience came home and was going to look for a job and ended up working for an ambulance service part-time and, you know, going to take college courses the rest of the time. But I was working also at Duke, and they uh, told me about this program that they were beginning to look into and formulate, and would I be interested? And uh, they sent me down to see Dr. Stead, and I was one of the person selected. It was real special. Tell us about your interview process. I'm not sure that there was interview process at the beginning. It was, we were available and the physician I happened to be working with in research at Duke at the time was the chief of surgery. And he asked me if I was interested in the program and I said, yes, I was. And he said, well, I'll put in a good word for you with Dr. Stead and So I'm I'm sure that there wasn't really an interview process. I was at the right place at the right time. And what was the original structure of your program? Well, you know, the the structure, I think, was wide open. I mean, no one knew how it was going to be structured. And we had our instructors were all residents and staff physicians. And, you know, we had classes with them uh, all during the day. And we, we would also accompany them on the special projects and things like that. We uh, went to several outlying hospitals. Duke covered several of the outlying hospitals in the area. And we worked in different areas, hyperbaric chamber. And uh, it was that particular summer that they said, well, we're going to have a program. They wanted to put us to work because we weren't having to pay for this program and we weren't getting paid for the program. So they made a deal where... um, we uh, were patient care technicians and working pretty much as a corpsman would work in, in a military hospital. We were doing that in the civilian hospital, primarily in cardiology. We learned to read the EKGs and uh, worked with the nurses on the uh, cardiology units. So you didn't pay tuition, but did they pay you for the work that you did while you were there? Well, right. We just got an hourly wage. And then after the first year, we got a stipend from the government, which was like $180 a month. And boy, that was just real special. You can't imagine. But uh, that enabled me and my wife, I had just gotten married and 
she was on a stipend also, and we bought a new car and had an apartment and everything on just that little bit of money. It was rough going, but it was special to us. How long was the program? It was two years, straight through for 24 months, and it was the kind of program where if something new came up and they said, well, I think they ought to you know, have some uh, experience in this. They just did it. They got the people together to instruct us. It wasn't a specifically structured program, and, and things were just added as they saw fit. And I sort of think we got more training than maybe the programs today. For example, we had biomedical electronics, and everybody now has dog labs. And, of course, we did a lot of that. And, of course, anatomy and physiology. Now, that was we did some advanced anatomy and physiology because... Being corpsmen, we all knew the anatomy, and we got more involved in the physiology at Duke. It was just a special, special kind of program. And uh, we, we went on rounds with Dr. Stead in the public wards. At that time, they had several public wards at Duke, and they had a lab set up just for the medical students, and the PAs could use it. If we wanted to do any lab work on any of our patients, we could do it and not charge the patient, but we had to draw the blood ourselves and go into the lab and run the test ourselves. So we learned to do all of that also. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Vic Germino, one-third of the very first graduating class of physician assistants. We are discussing the history of the physician assistant profession. So, Vic, what was your impression of what the PA profession was going to be like at the time? Well, after our first year at Duke, the article, the infamous or famous, depends on how you look at it, article came out, more than a nurse, less than a doctor. And... I, that just about finished the program off right there. The nurses were up in arms, as you might believe, and we really had to work hard to change that perception. The article was great for the program in that it raised a lot of interest in people around the country saw it and applied to, you know, applied to Duke. But the nurses didn't particularly like the title of the article, and uh, we had a lot of trouble with that. There were four of us, as you mentioned, and uh, Don Guffey happened to have been in the Army he was the only PA in the class that was in the Army. The rest of us had the Navy affiliation. But Don and his wife were quite religious, and after the first year of the program, he had a medical problem, uh, had a spontaneous pneumothorax, and was in the hospital for a few days. And he decided to go with his church on a medical mission and uh, dropped out of the PA program. I, I guess a lot of people don't realize that. They just wonder what happened. But that's what he did, and, uh, you know, he was a great guy. We missed him a lot. But the three of us that were left became inseparable. We studied together. We found little uh, nooks and crannies around the hospital where we could sit down and prop our feet up and study because we felt like we were in competition with both the nurses and the medical students. Tell us about Dick Sheely. Dick was a special friend from Chicago and had the brashness of a northerner, so to speak. Ken Farrell and I both were from down south. And his wife and my wife hit it off real good. And, and our f first children were born just a couple months apart. So we did a lot of things together, going to the coast on vacations and stuff. But Dick was real special, but he was a real go-getter. He uh, was involved in everything, along with the organization of the PA programs after graduation and things like that. I think he was on the board. He was very brash 
and we used to kid him about being the fast-talking Yankee amongst us, but he was just a special guy, and we really uh, missed him when he passed away just in the first year after graduation. What about Dr. Stead? What was he like to work with? Well, Dr. Stead was an institution already, and he uh, was a special uh, individual, and uh, you learned so much, and he made you want to learn we would go on rounds with Dr. Stead and the medical students, and he treated us exactly like the interns or residents. I mean, it was just like we were in the medical school program. He'd ask us a question or ask us to review a patient, and we had to be on our toes ready to do that, or he would uh, he would get us real quick. If it was something that we didn't know, he would bet nickels. He would say, I'll bet a nickel that I'm right and you're wrong. And, of course, I want to know the next day. And so you would go home that night and research and research and research. And even though you might have been right from the very beginning, he would say the next day, he said, well, you were right. And he said, I learned more for a nickel than uh, most people realize. So he sort of put the learning onus on us, and we learned a lot from researching for him. So It was a special relationship. Well, being the first of this new profession, how were you accepted by the patients? That was a special thing, too. We always were told to go in and introduce ourselves and what we were. If they wanted to know more, we would explain, uh, go into some detail. There was one particular study that I worked with a physician on uh, a weight loss study, and the people had to bring a, a diary, and we saw them once a week, and this was over several weeks and months. And my group of patients actually did better than the doctor's group of patients. And he was just real upset about that. And and we looked into it and come to find out that the patients felt more like talking and unloading with me than with the doctor. They didn't want, I mean, the fact that he acted a little rushed, he didn't want to spend a lot of time on subjects or something like that, whereas we were there to spend as much time as necessary to get the job done. And uh, so that's, that was the determination, that the patients felt better working with us because they felt like, you know, they could ask questions and spend a little bit more time with us and we and wouldn't be holding the doctor up. At that time, did you think that the PA profession would succeed as it has today? I guess so. I guess so. Once I saw how uh, it was going, I, w- I attended something this past weekend. It was a dedication at the state PA facility here in North Carolina, and they were talking about there's now 70,000 PAs in the country and programs are being started all over the world in different countries. And I was amazed to hear that part of it, but I'm not surprised. The early premise of the program was to put PAs in underserved areas, to work with doctors that are in areas in counties in North Carolina that were um, very poor as far as medical service. And I did that. When I graduated, I went out into the boonies, so to speak, and worked with the docs and in family medicine, and, and I got to do anything and everything that was there to do, the same that the doctor was doing. I think nowadays the graduates are looking more for money, and it just upsets me sometimes that they're more interested in going to work with a cardiothoracic surgeon or something like that to make the big bucks and to actually go out and, you know, and, and pay your dues, so to speak, and, uh, and work for the underserved people. I mean, you, you eventually get up. I've seen PAs that in practice, 
as I was working in family medicine, and they would bring their kids in to see me, and they didn't know how to take care of the kids' cold or cough because they worked in urology or they worked in, you know, another area and, and just didn't know the full spectrum. And I think family medicine is the way that everybody, every, I, I feel that every PA should go into family medicine first and then branch out and decide, well, if I want to do something else, you know, do it. But learn the basics first and pay your dues for the profession. Uh, I say this all the time when I speak to groups and they, uh, a lot of them don't like it, but <laughs> that's just the way it ought to be. Thank you for all that you've done to carve out an amazing profession, Vic. We appreciate it. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thank you for listening. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. 